Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Now step back and look at the insanity. Look at the insanity. Federal law enforcement now called stormtroopers by Nancy Pelosi. Stormtroopers. James Clyburn says they remind him of the Nazi Germany Gestapo. There was a time when talk like this would get your ass kicked out of office. It's really quite appalling. There's a federal courthouse under attack in Portland, Oregon. The mayor won't do anything about it, and the governor won't do anything about it, so the president's doing something about it. They still did severe damage to the exterior of the building. These are hoodlums, these are Marxists, these are terrorists. It's the militia wing or the military wing of the Democrat Party, as I've been saying for a long time. If this is what you like, this is what you're going to get from Biden. Biden is not a calming influence. He's not a soothing influence. This is his party. This is who they are. I want you to listen to James Clyburn on CNN today. And see if he gets any pushback. Cut three. Go. The Democrats calling for an investigation into what's happening in Portland. What do you want to know? I really would like to know who ordered those people to be there. Those people are federal law enforcement. Who ordered them to be there? The president did, moron. Go ahead. I understand things. It seems that somebody had to be deputized by the attorney general or some uh, order from him uh, to do what they were doing. And so I believe that law enforcement of that nature 
should be left up to local communities. So local communities should be in charge of defending federal courthouses that are under attack when the local community won't do it. Is that it? Now, how stupid is that? If the United States Capitol came under attack, would this jerk be saying that we need to leave it up to the mayor of Washington, D.C.? It's not a matter of leaving it up to. That is federal land, federal buildings. These are federal crimes. If the Supreme Court came under attack, should we leave it to local officials? What the hell? They've got Capitol Police there by the thousands. They've got all kind of a truck and tank uh, devices there to prevent cars from driving through. Is this some kind of a joke? So desperate and so committed are the Democrats to defending their military wing that they don't care what kind of damage they do. Now, when the hell is the rest of the country going to wake up? This is happening every single night. It's not a local matter. Go ahead. If they want help, they will then summon the federal government to intercede. They don't summon the federal government. This is federal government property, you idiot. It's called a federal courthouse. So a federal courthouse is under attack damn near every night. And the president of the United States is not going to surrender it as the mayor of Minneapolis surrendered a precinct. He's not going to do it. Or is the mayor of Seattle surrendered multiple blocks of her city? He's not going to do it. Go ahead. That's the way it's been done for as far as long as I have been following this sort of thing. Well, then you're an idiot. But then again, you're an idiot. Go ahead. All of a sudden, these people go in there. Uh, nothing from the governor. Nothing it's not from- all of a sudden. And we don't need the governor's permission or the mayor's permission to protect federal. This guy's an idiot. He's the number three Democrat. He's a moron. It's the number three Democrat. Go ahead. Law enforcement just show up with their faces covered in unmarked cars. Oh, 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 oh. so law enforcement shows up with their faces covered in unmarked cars. I wonder why. Why? To take advantage, to get advantage over the over the uh, violent perpetrators. Now, it doesn't have any problem with the perpetrators, the criminals, the terrorists showing up in masks. So you can't see their face. They had no problem with that. He's attacking federal law enforcement. Go ahead. This commercial that we are now here in this ad from the Lincoln Project. The Lincoln Project. Please go on my sites, Mark Levin Show, Facebook, Mark Levin Show, Twitter, and now you're not going to find out what the Lincoln Project is. And it is time for the Internal Revenue Service, the Department of Justice, and the FEC to investigate the Lincoln Project. <clears throat> you have three washed-up Republican consultants who are now making a fortune and one washed-up Republican lawyer. They've raised almost $20 million. They haven't paid for a lot of ads. You've seen them on Fox and a few other networks. They've really done very, very little. And now the question is if they're enriching themselves. I don't know, but there's no transparency there. Certainly not enough. But anyway, go ahead. Exactly uh, what we're about to experience in this country. That is the beginning of the ending of this democracy. You know, you're such... Go ahead. 
that kind of activity is the activity of a police state. So now, defending a federal courthouse is the activity of a police state. He wants the redcoats to come in. He wants the, the feds to come there, paint themselves in red, put targets on their front, on their back, to show up so the people who are in, coming in black, who are not revealing their faces, who we do not know and therefore cannot be tracked down, they're the victims. Go ahead. And this president and this attorney general seem to be doing everything they possibly can to impose uh, Gestapo activities in local communities. You know, you're a sick bastard, and that's exactly what you are. Gestapo activities. You are disgusting, and you're not alone. Nancy Pelosi over the weekend called them stormtroopers. You know, like Nazi stormtroopers? Stormtroopers. So the crackpot left-wing radical mayor of Portland is blaming the Trump administration. I want you to notice something since we're in a period of race identification. That seems to be critical. The left-wing Marxist mayor of New York is white. Los Angeles, white. Seattle, white. Portland, white. Philadelphia, white. Isn't that interesting? Now, you have the kook in Chicago. She's African-American. Some of these other cities. But you have an extraordinary number of radical, left-wing, or even Marxist white mayors running these cities. And many of these communities, the black communities, are suffering as a result. And blacks in and out of entertainment, blacks in black lives, they're not coming to the defense of the inner cities. So now the president's been called a Nazi and Stalinist and racist and anti-Semitic. You have been called all these things, those of you who have voted for him. Now federal law enforcement trying to protect a federal courthouse from these militarists. By the way, most of whom are white. They're Gestapo now. They're stormtroopers, according to the number one Democrat in the House and the number three Democrat in the House. Now, Keith Ellison today, the Attorney General of Minnesota, you remember Keith X and his ties to Farrakhan, who was once the Deputy Chairman of the DNC, I wonder how they're going to vote in the suburbs, Mr. Bedus. I guarantee you, this crap was going on in the suburbs, they'd be voting Republican in two seconds. Two seconds. Two seconds. What if a woman is being sexually assaulted? Do you call the police? Cut for a go. If you're a woman who's been a victim of a sexual assault and the assailant is ran away, wouldn't you rather talk to somebody who is trained in helping you deal with what you're dealing with as opposed to somebody whose main training is that they know how to use a firearm, right? Is that right, ladies? Don't you want that cop there to get all the information? You're still going to get help at a hospital. It's not a 
choice between one or the other, but it is for Ellison. Don't we need to get that rapist off the street? Don't we need to gather DNA? Don't we need to get everything we can possibly get? This is the Attorney General of Minnesota. You see, you take this illogic, this ideology, to its logical extreme, and you have no civil society left. You have no civil society left. And I would encourage the president, election or no election, send in more federal law enforcement, backed up by the National Guard, use as necessary the Insurrection Act, and take our cities back. And if in the end it costs him his election, then the nation doesn't deserve this president. It deserves what it gets. And so do these inner cities. I'll be right back. Lovin. Hillsdale College serves four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires an educated people, a people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for 175 years. It continues to provide that education today, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its online courses, its support of classical K-12 charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating back to 1844, commit the college to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. This learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God. Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. And it'll continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. You know, Governor Reagan, we've talked about this before, had to deal with riots on college campuses, one in particular. And they took over the an area and they claimed it as a park. Now, I want you to listen. It's only about two minutes of what Reagan had to say and what Reagan did about it. Go ahead. Who are you? Will you let me finish my I question? would like to hear who you are. I this gentleman was... Okay? I was... Happy now. You I'm bet I'm happy, and you bet you won't right. say anything and that'll surprise see, me. And I'd love to see you discuss this... So stop a second. So you see how Reagan had to fight with the press, too? This is when he was governor in the 1960s in the riots, and they took over an administration building. They took over a big part of a college campus. Go ahead. I am because discussing it openly. And we'll know that you can't run a university by bayonet. You cannot do it that way. If you would allow yourself to listen, you would have a lot of people who would be showing some compassion, some interest in nonviolence, some interest in order. If you would speak out against the use of firearms and buckshot and say, if you will, that... that, that Stop. You, know, you notice the left has never changed? Go ahead that this, the people responsible for that should be removed, if you would say Mr. that and set an example of cutting down the escalation, you can bet we'd have a lot Mr. Wapsey, when were any of you, when did any of you appear before the students? When did any of you stand up at Sproul Hall on Thursday over and beg them not to go down again. there? Over and over again. At Berkeley, there was a plot of land that had been taken by protesters. The university owned it. 
They were trying to turn it into a parking lot. The protesters uh, claimed it as a park, a park for the people. Reagan orders the California Highway Patrol and Berkeley police officers to the park. While the crowd continues to swell, Reagan's chief of staff sends reinforcements to the scene. He tells them to use whatever methods they choose against the protesters. Not long after, police start firing buckshot and tear gas. One student is killed, and an estimated 128 people are admitted to local hospitals. Reagan declares a state of emergency and sends in the National Guard. He was attempting to crack down on student protesters. You know, depending on your political point of view, uh, he was either successful in doing so or he was uh, authoritarian. Those people told you for days in advance that if the university sought to go ahead with that construction, they were going to physically destroy the university. Now, why did you negotiate many times? Negotiate? What is to negotiate? What is? The university is a public institution. That's right. But the university, its own community, and for the community of Berkeley that live around it. All of it began the first time some of you who know better and are old enough to know better let young people think that they had the right to choose the laws they would obey as long as they were doing it in the name of social protest. These were quite controversial moves, but helped solidify a base for him. And he won re-election by a good margin. Nothing to do with re-election. And when you look at the video, there were thousands and thousands of students, weren't there, Mr. Producer? So they send in the, the college police, they send in the, the Oakland police force, they send in the state troopers, and they're not enough. And then, of course, he sends in the National Guard, and he puts it down. And if that had been done in Minnesota, in Minneapolis, if Minnesota governor had done that, so much of what we're seeing today would not be taking place. And so Reagan is not a Hitler or a dictator, neither is Trump, as Trump decides, I hope, to increase the federal presence and the National Guard. I don't care what his ex-generals have to say. His ex-generals have sold out to the left over personal peaks that they had with the President of the United States. I've never seen anything so dishonorable and so disgusting in my life. And so it is that, yes, the federal government has a role. Yes, federal law enforcement has a role. Yes, the National Guard has a role. That's the history of the United States, Mr. Clyburn, you moron. I'll be right back. Hillsdale College serves four purposes. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom. And freedom requires an educated people, a people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for 175 years. It continues to provide that education today, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its online courses, its support of classical K-12 charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating back to 1844, commit the college to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. This learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God. Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. And it'll continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more. 
Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. The establishment's worst nightmare. Mark Levin. Call in now, 877-381-3811. The media are on the side of the Democrat Party militarists. They're on the side of the rioters. They're on the side of Antifa and Black Lives Matter. It's quite obvious, is it not? So they're on the side of the enemy of the people. The rioters, the looters, the arsonists. And so we cannot wait for them to support peace and civility and anything of the sort, because they're not going to. Now, we've talked about the Insurrection Act, but I want to be very specific about it. Section 252 of the Insurrection Act, which has been used many times, was first adopted in 1807 by Jefferson and the, uh, and the Republicans in the, uh, in the Congress. So it's been around a very, very long time, over 200 years. And it's been used dozens of times by presidents in situations much less worse than this. Section 252, the president is allowed to utilize federal armed forces or state militias to enforce federal authority whenever unlawful obstructions or rebellions make it difficult to enforce federal laws in any state by normal means. Okay, so we have an Antifa, Marxist anarchist, Black Lives Matter, Marxist anarchist movement. It's violent. And the president can use federal armed forces or state militias to enforce federal authority. Section 253, the president can invoke his act if insurrection, violence, or conspiracy are hindering the execution of federal or state laws or depriving citizens of their constitutional rights. The act can be invoked if state authorities are unable or fail or refuse to protect rights, privileges, and immunities named in the Constitution are secured by law. Hence, you have Eisenhower as an example when it came to desegregation and integration using the Insurrection Act uh, during that time period. Now, in fact, he invoked it to protect the Little Rock Nine on September 24, 1957. Johnson invoked it during the 1968 civil rights riots. Washington, Baltimore, Chicago, other cities were hit. So Eisenhower invoked it uh, because uh, Orville Faubus wouldn't allow those, those students to attend that school. And Johnson invoked it to deal with the 1968 riots. They're not Gestapo, Mr. Clyburn. They're not stormtroopers, Ms. Pelosi. You two. Anyway. Let's continue. Now, two, Section 254, the president must order insurgents to disperse or go home peacefully when acting under the law. So that's basically ministerial. So the president has all the authority he needs to send in federal law enforcement and to use the National Guard and he don't, he don't even have to have a federal courthouse threatened. 
And so now you have the number three Democrat in the House of Representatives who would tell the president he has no authority to do this when the number three Democrat claims to be a civil rights leader of sorts and doesn't even understand that federal troops or the nationalizing, federalizing of the National Guard and the use of federal law enforcement was used to advance the civil rights movement and was used in 1968 by Lyndon Johnson to put down riots. It was used by George H.W. Bush to put down riots in Los Angeles. It was used by Harry Truman to put down a, uh, a strike. And so we have these activities going. The difference now is the Democrats have thrown in. They have thrown in. With the violent, violent Antifa, Black Lives Matter, and other organizations. This is why I've been saying from day one, these are Democrats. These are Bernie Sanders Democrats. They're Democrats. And they don't want law enforcement to touch one hair on one head of their Democrats, whether they're using Molotov cocktails, whether they're beating the crap out of some police officer with a baseball bat, whether they're charging a federal courthouse. Now, you object to a federal judge, an Obama judge, and they'll say that you're undermining law. But when Democrats who are armed and violent are attacking a federal courthouse, that's okay, apparently. But it's not okay. Meanwhile, meanwhile, they don't call people stormtroopers and Gestapo when they're governors and they're forcing people to live in ways that they've never lived before. And what I would argue is they don't even have the authority to order these, these types of directives. You now have a prosecutor in St. Louis, St. Louis Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner. She was put in there by George Soros, who's funding all these prosecutors. I've got one in my county here. They are disgusting. They've got them in San Francisco. They've got one in Philadelphia. They got them all over the country. Who will not bring charges or will bring the wrong charges. So today, she filed charges against that St. Louis couple who confronted the protesters and were carrying guns in front of their own home on their own home on their own property in front of their own home to protect their home to protect their lives to protect the lives of their children to protect their dog to protect their house the democrats are already broken through a private gate already came onto private property and they're being charged with unlawful unlawful use of a weapon A Class D felony could result in one to four years in prison as well as fines up to $5,000. They're going to issue a summons for the couple to appear in court. You have police who executed a search warrant at their home recently. You saw that. They seized their rifle, I would argue, unconstitutionally. I'm just waiting for some of the police officers to turn on these politicians. And to say, no, we're not going to do this. And Moss, a police force, say, no, we're not going to do this. Police identify two victims, victims, 
by their initials and documents obtained by five on your side saying that Mark McCloskey, 63, screamed at the demonstrator, lowered his rifle, pointed at those walking through a gate and onto the private street in Sawak along Portland Place. Patricia McCloskey, sister one, began yelling at protesters, telling them to go while pointing a handgun at demonstrators as her finger was on the trigger. Right, exactly. They're lucky they weren't shot. And so far in my state, I don't know about other states, if somebody is threatening you and your life and that of your family and threatening to do damage to your home and they come up to your home, you can shoot them. So the prosecutors must prove the guns were capable of lethal, lethal force. So here, ladies and gentlemen, the innocent victims are now being treated as the perpetrators. And the mob gets away with everything. So the police are stormtroopers and Gestapo. So you can't call them in. Can't have stormtroopers and the Gestapo. And the people who have their own guns legally are on their own property and step out on the front of their own property where a mob has broken into their gated private street heading towards their home, marching in front of them, threatening them, and the people bring out their weapons in order to protect themselves. They refuse to be killed. They refuse to be maimed. They refuse to have their house destroyed. They're being charged. You don't think this election matters? Are there enough of us left? I would say this to the people in the suburbs. That's you next. You can only burn down so much of an inner city. And when you get away with that, you're going to move it to the suburbs. Because the stereotype is that's where the white people are. Even the suburbs are now 35 to 40% minority, doesn't matter. That's where 60 to 65% are white. That's where the white people are. I'm talking to you how they think. You're not going to escape this. I'm talking to the liberals out there. I'm talking to the women, the college-educated white women in the suburbs who watch this on TV, then shut it off. No big deal. Your kids don't go to those schools. You're not in that city. It's a whole other world. You don't care, but your heart breaks. You better look at the McCluskeys, because that's you next. And I would say this to Antifa and Black Lives Matter and the other criminals in the Democrat Party. Since the cities have effectively disarmed their citizens and now are disarming their police forces, those poor people in those cities are sitting ducks. They can't defend themselves And they can call all they want. There's not going to be enough cops to defend them. And when the cops get there, they're going to have to worry about what the politicians are going to do to them. It's not the same in the suburbs. You think the suburbs are soft. Well, there are a lot of soft people here. But there's also a lot of people who will defend themselves and their families without a St. Louis prosecutor like this. I went down the street the other day. I don't even know if I should say this. It's legal to own firearms in Virginia and to have ammo. 
I spoke to must have been six neighbors, Mr. Producer. Five of them have arms. Before all the riots and everything. And four of them have multiple arms. You won't find that in the inner city unless they're criminals, right? It's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. These inner cities have disarmed their populations and now they're attacking the cops. Damnest thing, but that's Marxism. That's exactly what's going on. I think this has been part of the plan all along, to be honest with you. To install their white liberal leftists, not all white, but most of them, to do exactly what they're doing. To do exactly what they're doing. I'm not the one promoting provocation. In fact, I'm against it. I'm against all of this that's taking place. All the violence. And I, like you, support our institutions, like the police, like the rule of law. But this is a a violent, it's not a revolution. This is a violent Democrat party. That will stop at nothing. They couldn't remove the president through impeachment. They couldn't remove the president through a criminal investigation. They've tried everything. They tried a coup within the Obama administration. The Hillary Clinton campaign paid off Russians and others to try and come up with a phony document. They've got the media in their back pocket. They have most of the judges in their back pocket. They still failed to remove this president. And they wouldn't wait till the next election. They wouldn't wait till the next election And they didn't like the turning out of the 2016. You know, to hear a reporter, I have to be careful how I say this, say to the president of the United States, if you lose, will you leave? Have you ever heard a stupider question in your life, Mr. Producer? Who's just hired 600 lawyers to litigate the end of this campaign and the election? Biden. Who is it that that still don't accept the election of 2016? The Democrats and the media. If the president loses the election, fair and square, that's one thing. But they're all geared up for litigation already. Remember, it was Al Gore of the Gore versus Bush. It was Gore who first brought a lawsuit in state court in Florida. First time in history that a candidate tried to overturn the results of election by going to court. They're going to try the same thing here. Absolutely. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Hillsdale College serves four purposes. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom. And freedom requires an educated people, a people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for 175 years. It continues to provide that education today not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its online courses, its support of classical K-12 charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating back to 1844, commit the college to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. This learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God, Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. And it'll continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. 
You know, it's amazing. You have the Democrat Party that says the Confederates were traitors. Okay, we can buy that. The Confederates were traitors. Among one of the reasons is because they sought to break away from the Union. Right, Mr. Producer? Well, what sanctuary cities? Breaking away from the federal government, the Union. What's nullification of federal law enforcement? Well, breaking away from the Union. When the Democrat Party talks about federal troops as stormtroopers and Gestapo, that's like the Confederacy talking about federal troops, putting down an insurrection, putting down, if you will, a militarized wing of the Democrat Party. So basically, Nancy Pelosi is Robert E. Lee in a dress. The difference is Robert E. Lee was actually smarter than Nancy Pelosi. And I would hate to defame Robert E. Lee under those circumstances, Mr. Producer. But you get my drift, ladies and gentlemen. It is Nancy Pelosi and the Democrat Party once again leading an insurrection. Once again, the Democrat Party violently leading an insurrection. Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, Clyburn, and all the rest of them, they're mayors. Sort of the colonels in the war. Bringing down cities, bringing down neighborhoods, bringing down the rule of law. Attacking police forces, one city at a time. Now attacking federal law enforcement, prepared to attack federal military. We have an insurrection here again, ladies and gentlemen. It's not a perfect analogy, but it's pretty damn close. It's good enough. A Marxist insurrection that's embraced by the Democrat Party. When a federal courthouse comes under attack and they attack the federal government for defending it. Well, who does that sound like? That sounds like one of those Confederate generals whose statutes they pulled down. Does it not, Mr. Producer? More when I have time the next hour. Hillsdale College serves four purposes. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires an educated people, a people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College is providing the education needed to preserve free government for 175 years. Continues to provide that education today, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide. Through its free online courses, its support of classical K-12 charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating back to 1844, commit the college to preserve the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. And this learning includes our magnificent Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God as described in the Declaration of Independence that we celebrate every 4th of July. Includes America's great heritage of liberty that too often today is falsely derided or denied. Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. And it will continue to live up to that motto come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. I am not afraid to tell you the truth. I will burn the path for the others. I don't care. There's too much at stake. 
The modern-day Democrat Party has more in common with the Confederacy than you might realize. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, The Democrat Marxist traitors and militarists are moving from one city to the other. They haven't actually left any city, but in in force. This is highly strategic, highly tactical, highly organized, extremely well-funded. The Chicago police were ambushed last night. Ambushed. 49 police officers injured. 49. 63 people were shot in Chicago over the weekend. Now, I want to ask you something, America. Have you heard Joe Biden today denounce it? No, you haven't. Have you heard Nancy Pelosi today denounce it? No, you haven't. Have you heard Chuck Schumer today denounce it? No, you have not. Have you heard any prominent Democrat today denounce it? No, you have not. Because these are Democrats. Many of them Bernie Sanders supporters. And they're not voting Republican and they're not voting for Trump. They're going to be voting Democrat. And the police are not backed up by the Democrat Party. The police who run these cities are destroying these cities from within. That is, the mayors who run these cities are destroying these cities from within. And then the president's supposed to sit back and watch it happen. That's what Pelosi wants. That's what the Democrats are saying. He has no role. The Insurrection Act, no, can't use it. Federal facilities, no. Clyburn says, hey, you don't get to protect those. Guy's an idiot. And they start calling federal law enforcement, stormtroopers, and Gestapo. I told you, they're more like the Confederacy than you might want to think. It's the same Democrat Party in many respects. Of course, they'll pull down the monuments and the statues to old generals. They've got a new war they're waging. A brand new war to destroy the same country, the same union, with a different ideology and different tactics. But it's the same party attacking the same country. Nullification, sanctuary cities, breakaway cities, attacks on federal law enforcement. Bringing charges against law-abiding citizens who dared on their own private property with their own private weapons 
to stand in front of the door to their home and warn the rioters to stop threatening them and not to damage them or their homes. They're not being charged. So this is a new confederacy. These are Marxists. And the Democrat Party has embraced them or they've embraced the Democrat Party. Which way doesn't much matter? That's who they are. And I don't care how many flashy commercials you see. I don't care how many of these phony Lincoln Project commercials you see, which is a ripoff organization that needs to be criminally investigated. It's the same Democrat Party. And guess what? For the minority Americans in this country, black Americans, they offer you nothing. Nothing. And I saw a recent poll. 87% or something like that of African Americans support Biden. Nothing's going to change in the inner cities with Biden. Nothing changed when he was vice president or Obama was president. Nothing is going to change. Nothing. In fact, If there is change, it'll only get worse. But I want to make it abundantly clear to those of you who care about this country, regardless of race, who care about our way of life, who care about our Constitution, who care about this great and blessed land, that Joe Biden hasn't said a thing about the attacks on private property, about the murders that are taking place, the vicious, violent attacks on police officers. He hasn't said a thing. Nothing. Bernie Sanders may not have won the primary, but this is all about Marxism and communism and leftism, whatever you want to call it, an American style of it. His fingerprints are everywhere. The agitators in this, you know, we've always had a Communist Party USA. It's active. A Socialist Party. It's active. Radical parties. Radical Muslim groups. They're active right now. Others are active right now. Criminals. Active. Active. Here's Joe Biden today. With the Million Muslim Votes Summit. You heard me right. The Million Muslim Votes Summit today. Let's listen. Cut five. Go. I'm not just asking for your support because the alternative is unthinkable. The alternative is unthinkable. Can you imagine electing the Republicans and and, uh, and, 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 uh, Donald Trump? It's unthinkable. Absolutely unthinkable. You sick, dumb buffoon. You've been a sick, dumb buffoon. Your entire disgusting, useless, pointless career. Your whole damn career starts out as a bigot. And now it's time we fundamentally transform America. It's fun. the, time, the time is finally... Go ahead. I want to earn your vote, not just because he's not worthy of being president. He's not I'll- worthy of being president, you see. Trump's not worthy of being president. So if you elect him, he's not worthy. Go ahead. Work in partnership with you. 
make sure your voices are included in the decision-making process. I can't wait. And what is the the voice of the million Muslim votes? What what are they asking for? Does anybody know? What are they asking for? I don't know. I'm sure it's wonderful. Go ahead. As we work to rebuild our nation, we can't just build back to where we, where we were before Donald Trump. See, we can't just go back before we, before we were before. His language, not me. We can't just go back to where we were before Donald Trump took office. Now, where were we before Donald Trump took office, Mr. Producer? Joe Biden was in office. So we can't just go back to when I was the vice president of the United States. Joe Biden. Cut six, Joe Biden. Go ahead. Muslim communities are the first to feel Donald Trump's assault on black and brown communities in this country with his vile Muslim ban. All right, let, let, let's stop. This is why I hate this man. There was no Muslim ban. There was no Muslim ban. This is why I hate this man. Hate's a strong word, not strong enough. In the final executive orders that went through were approved by the court, but neither of them were Muslim bans. In fact, the nations with the most Muslims were utterly unaffected. And so they're not really running against Donald Trump. They're running against a straw man that they're trying to create. And that's another thing that the left does. They don't want a, 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 a campaign that's fair and square. They have to turn Trump into something that he's not. Into something that he's not. And as far as an assault on black and brown communities, that would be your entire career, you mental midget. Trump has done nothing to harm black and brown communities except increase employment, increase opportunity zones and investments. Go ahead. That fight was the opening barrage and what has been nearly four years of constant pressure and insults and attacks against Muslim American communities, Latino communities, black communities. That's enough. You see what we're up against. You see what we're up against. It is a it is a vile. But this is the Democrat Party. It's always been the Democrat Party. Turn one race against another. Undermine the civil society, undermine the civil law. That is the nature of the Democrat Party. It is the surviving evil of slavery. It truly is. It's the one thing they won't get rid of because they run it. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? 
Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Senator Ted Cruz, how are you? Mark, I'm doing terrific. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Two big subjects, Ted. First of all, I'm watching here as last night in Chicago, thousands of people ambushed hundreds of police officers, 49 police officers injured. I'm watching what's taking place in Portland where the mayor is basically lying down in front of the mob, which is attacking a federal courthouse. Uh, I see what's happening in Seattle and New York and these other cities. And then I see Nancy Pelosi calling federal law enforcement stormtroopers, Clyburn calling them Gestapo. I don't hear Biden once, once condemning what's taking place here. The Democrat Party is throwing in with these people, isn't it? They absolutely are. And it is disgusting to see it play out. We're seeing violence. We're seeing lawlessness. And, and we're seeing police officers just viciously targeted, targeted by the mob, but then targeted by the politician hacks uh, who have decided to throw in with the mob. You know, Nancy Pelosi referred to federal police officers as stormtroopers. She claimed that stormtroopers were kidnapping, and those were her words, innocent protesters. That is an absolute and total lie. Cops are not stormtroopers. That's a term used for Nazis. Nancy Pelosi knows that. She's deliberately trying to inflame racial tensions with lies. Arrests are not kidnapping. They're lawful arrests. And violent Antifa protesters who are assaulting people, who are firebombing police cars, who are murdering police officers, they're not simple, peaceful protesters. This has got to stop. And, 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 and right now, the Democratic Party is, is encouraging it, and Joe Biden is hiding in his basement. He's terrified to open his word about it. Joe, you want to be a man? Man up and say you stand with the men and women of law enforcement. Say you stand with the NYPD and the LIPD, LAPD and the Chicago Police Department and the Portland Police Department and all of those officers, many of whom are African-American and Hispanic, and they're being physically assaulted by many spoiled, rich, white kids who are having leftist temper tantrums that are violent and dangerous. And you know, Ted Cruz, we've talked about on this program, the use of the Insurrection Act passed in 1807. It's been used many, many times, quite frankly, in circumstances a lot less violent and ubiquitous than this. Yep. And a federal law enforcement and backed up by, by the National Guard and so forth, I honestly think that's the only way this is eventually going to be put down. I don't, I don't see these, these left-wing mayors, most of whom are white, by the way, that are allowing this to happen to their cities and allowing these police officers to be brutalized. Is the president supposed to just sit back and say, I don't have authority, when he does? Well, you are right. And, and, and what I see as the strongest analog is, is actually from a different era in time, and it's the civil rights battle. When you had Southern Democrats, the Dixiecrats, who refused to obey civil rights laws, and they were engaged in deliberate defiance of the law because they supported the violent Klansmen, and they were supporting violent terrorists against innocent citizens. And, you know, Eisenhower 
sent in the military to, to enforce federal law and protect people's rights. And what the Democrats are doing here is exactly what the Democrats did 60 years ago when they stood with the Klan, another set of racist terrorists that were victimizing innocent citizens. You know, this week, Mark, I'm introducing in the Senate legislation that allows anyone whose property is damaged or who is personally victimized by violence of a terrorist or rioter to have a federal cause of action and seek treble damages, triple damages, against any state and local officer who deliberately withholds law enforcement, who allows a lawless autonomous zone to be created, as we're seeing across the country, who defies the law and decides your civil rights, your right to life and liberty are going to be sacrificed on the altar of politically correct wokeness. What we're seeing is lawless, it's dangerous, and it's tearing at the very foundations of America. Let's talk about Texas. As Texas goes, so goes the country. And if Texas goes Democrat, we lose the country. And you, uh, you put out a, uh, a verbal siren to Republicans in your state the other day. Tell us what's going on. Well, this is a real race, and it is serious. Texas is a battleground state. And, 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 and if we lose Texas, it's all over. Nobody's waiting up on election night to see what happened in Ohio or Florida. New York and California, sadly, are, are, are bright blue for the foreseeable future. And if Texas joins them, the math doesn't work. You're looking at a Democratic majority for a long, long time. And Texas right now, the last five polls in a row, have shown Trump and Biden within a single point or two. The last poll that came out had Biden up five. Now, I don't think Biden's going to win Texas, but I think it is much, much closer than many of the complacent Republicans in D.C. and nationally believe it is. And, and, and the reason for that, Mark, there, there are two broad demographic trends going on in our country. One demographic trend is, is that blue-collar worker, union workers, are moving right. That is moving Midwestern states, more Republican states like Ohio and Pennsylvania and Michigan and Wisconsin, all of which voted for Donald Trump in 2016, it's the blue-collar workers, the workers that the Democratic Party has abandoned that are moving right. The countervailing political trend is suburban voters, and in particular suburban women, have been moving left. And, and that means that states with big suburban populations, states like Georgia, states like Arizona, and states like Texas, they're all becoming purple. That's dangerous, and we need to take it very seriously. And what do we do about it? I mean, honestly, Ted Cruz, what can I mean, we have to convince people you only have 30 seconds, but you look at the TV screen. I mean, those are Democrats. Doesn't that scare the hell out of you to vote the right way? Apparently not. Well, it should, but the media is lying to them. We've got to convince them, number one, the stakes and the stakes are fighting for America, for freedom, for safety, for safety, or for your family, for the Constitution and Bill of Rights. We've got to explain why it matters. Free enterprise versus socialism. And two, the media are trying to scare them and convince them that the alternative is a bunch of crazy right-wing violent racists. Now, the irony is the people committing the violence are Antifa. It's the Marxist organization Black Lives Matter. That's where the threat of violence is. But we've got to cut through the lies of the media and actually explain it to the voters. All right, Ted Cruz, you're right on. We appreciate it. Take care and be safe, sir. God bless. You too. All right, folks. Rather than to be dispirited, you should be angry. In fact, you should be furious. I'll be right back. 
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. The Constitution Man, Mark Levin. Call him now at 877-381-3811. For part of this hour and definitely in the last hour, I want to talk about the coronavirus. There's a topic. The lies that are being perpetrated against the president in terms of the mortality rate. I won't get into specifics because I don't think I'm able to, but I mean, confront the president with a phony chart as opposed to the CDC Europe chart is really appalling. Just so you understand, folks, the mortality rate from the coronavirus in this country, if you read the Drudge Report, you will not get the facts or if you listen to others. The mortality rate in the United States is less than Japan. It's less than France, less than Britain, less than Germany. It is one of the best rates, if you can call it that, in the industrialized world. In the industrialized world. And that's apples to apples. And that's apples to apples. Why the media keep fighting this is really quite appalling. And I want to get into this in a little bit. But I'm not finished with Joe Biden when he was doing his Million Muslims Vote Summit today. Probably sitting on the can, don't you think, Mr. Producer? Cut seven, go. One of the things I think is important, I wish, I wish we taught more in our schools about the Islamic faith. Well, you wish we taught more about the Islamic faith. I don't know, does the Islamic faith support all the sex education that you're teaching in our schools? I'm just curious. Go ahead. We talked about all the great confessional faiths. It's one of the great confessional faiths. And what people don't realize is one of my avocation is theology. Don't realize. (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) Who knew after half a century that one of Joe Biden's avocations is theology? Maybe that explains all the touching of women, Mr. Producer. He's baptizing them. Come here, little girl. Did you know one of my avocations is theology? Uh, That's an old line for perverts, may I say? With all due respect. Did you know one of Joe Biden's avocations is theology? What are the other avocations? Go ahead. We, We all come from the same root here in terms of our fundamental basic beliefs. And uh, I just want to thank you for, uh, for giving me the opportunity, for being engaged, for committing uh, to action this November. You're doing what's been, uh, been that's, uh, that's never been done before. You're registering and turning out one million Muslim voters this November. Wow. So he believes that the Islamic faith should be taught in our schools, and we're turning out one million Muslim voters this November. Good for him. How are they going to vote? I guess for Joe Biden. Wow. Just thought I would mention that. I'm 
That's very progressive of him, don't you think, Mr. Producer? Then we have uh, Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi is an evil, sick old woman. May I put it that way? I'm trying to be as respectful as I know how. Evil, sick old woman. That's exactly what she is. (laughs) And her face just, it's kind of dripping all the time. I can't explain it. She really ought to sue her plastic surgeon who obviously is John Kerry's plastic surgeon because more and more she looks like John Kerry. And I understand that they take a very big needle and they squirt mashed potatoes under their foreheads and chin, Mr. Bajor. Are you aware of this? This explains the bulging and the movement and all the rest of it. Here she is on the morning, Joe. Now, the morning, Joe, I thought I understood from Mika Blazinska, if that is her name, Chip off the old man's block, that's for sure. It's big new. Uh, I thought Joe was taking a mental health day or week or month. But it sounds to me like Joe came back too early, Mr. Producer. In any event, here's Pelosi. Cut eight. Go. But the, the fact is, whether he knows it yet or not, he will be leaving. Uh, just because he might not want to move out of the White House doesn't mean we won't have an inauguration. So all right, all right, all right. Okay, slow down a second as her dentures come loose and she starts acting like this. President Trump never said he's not going to move out of the White House. That wasn't the question. Would he accept the results of the election? And this is very interesting. It's Joe Biden who's hired 600 law. Do you know he's hiring 600 litigators? Gore didn't accept the results of the election. The Democrats didn't accept the results of the 2016 election. And then the questioner dares to ask Trump if he'll accept the results of the election. Once it's all finished, ladies and gentlemen, the president will accept the results of the election one way or the other. But I want something to be abundantly clear to you. All this mail-in voting stuff is clearly intended to cheat. And so when they're challenged on it, they intend to litigate it. And so this election will be the most litigated in American history. It may turn out to be the longest without a decision about who won the presidency. If it's not a landslide one way or the other. And the people will continue to be angry on both sides. That's what the Democrats have created here. Now, if they win, we know what will happen with the Republicans. They'll fold like a cheap tent. McConnell, if he's real, like, oh, look, we're going to get along around here. You know, he's such a schmo. It's not even funny. He has no idea what's swirling around here. You say Marxism. He asks about, uh, you know, Groucho. How's Groucho doing? He has no idea what's going on here. He's busy getting involved in Republican primaries like in Tennessee, backing the rhinos because he wants to make sure he remains leader of something. Majority leader, minority leader. Time for him to be moved out. Not for him. But let's continue with Pelosi, if we may. Go ahead. Okay, right. Uh, duly elected president of the United States. Mm. And the, uh, I just, you know, I'm second in line uh, to the presidency. And just last week I had my 
regular continuation of government briefing. This might interest you because it's, I say to them. Shut up, you idiot. It doesn't interest us in the least. You're second in line today. If you're not speaker, you don't win a majority after the election. You're not aligned for anything. Except they get more work done over the uh, Christmas holiday. Cut nine, go. So don't be cavalier about our children uh, to be in a classroom. Oh, this is the science, you see. Cavalier. Cavalier. The big unions trying to shake down the taxpayers and the teachers, excuse me, and the uh, parents. The science tells us it's okay. I'm not going to play that NBC uh, uh, story for you again. I'm not going to go through the data again. But listen to her. Listen to her. She is Eva Perone on steroids. Ms. Reed, I almost said Eva Braun. That would be wrong, you know. I would never call her Eva Braun, Mr. Producer. You don't call Nancy Pelosi Eva Braun. That would be a mistake. So I won't. No Eva Braun for Nancy Pelosi. Not, repeat after me, Mr. Producer. Pelosi is not Eva, Eva Braun. Say that, please. Not Eva Braun. Cut nine, go ahead. These decisions may have to be made locally because of the rate of infection in certain areas, but they have to be made scientifically. And we know that. We know that, and we know you don't give a damn about that. You don't give a damn about that. I, uh, to be perfectly honest with you, I was watching a broadcast, and I'm not going to mention which one, that was covering uh, the coronavirus and the president and his interview last night and blah, blah, blah. And I got to thinking, what is it exactly that the news wants from this president? This coverage. You said we were number one in in the lowest number of mortality rates. And then the wrong chart is pulled out. You want a really good article on this? Go to Conservative Review. It's all over the place. You can go to Levin TV. You can go to Bongino. Uh, I don't know who else has it. Blaze has it. Uh, And it's a piece that was just done by Daniel Horowitz on the mortality rate. And really, he's very critical of the individual who interviewed the president. And he says, the chart they use, cherry picks, it has really nothing to do with giving the American people an honest understanding and perspective of the mortality rate. When you throw in Pakistan and other countries, it's just, it's just ridiculous. They have almost no testing. The article's brilliant. He also has the testing, how countries are testing. We are so far ahead in the number of tests we're doing than any other country. Way ahead in testing. Way down on the mortality level. And the President of the United States is constantly under attack by the media. And, and the gotcha questions and the interrogate, they don't, that, that's, it's just not news. It's not useful. And the, the person I wrote said, I don't really understand your question. And I said, well, I'm not very good at emailing on my iPhone. Don't you hate that way the iPhone changes words all the time? You can put the word election, and the next thing you know, it says erection. Have you, done, have you seen that, Mr. Producer? 
And then you send it to somebody and go, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. We're going to lose this election. And it says, we're going to lose this election. I go, wait a minute. I didn't mean lose. I meant win. I mean, I, I, whatever. Somebody else must have written that. Anyway, so much for the iPhone word correct. And I don't think they, some of them are very evil, but some of them really don't get it. There's truly been enormous progress. This is a pandemic, folks. No elected official can fix it. Then I was watching Fauci on the pubic broadcasting system. And the anchor, I forget her name, Leslie Stahl. No, it wasn't. It was the other one. And Judy Woodruff. I didn't even know she's still around. There she is. And her lovely husband, Al Hunt, of course. And Fauci, remember, his area of expertise is infectious diseases. That's it. And he's going on and on about, we need, we need to do more testing. We need to do tracing. We need to do this. So all these things that have nothing to do with his specific area of responsibility. Because he was wrong about the, in, the infection. He was wrong about what to do about it. A lot of experts say he's been wrong for a long time. Now it's suddenly, what does he say? They did it right in New York. If that doesn't tell you this man is a political animal, then nothing does. They did it all wrong in New York. There's a great piece in Reason, reason Reason.com. There's a great piece at uh, Pajama Media that I might dig into next hour. It just lays out all the wrong things New York did. And maybe we should, because apparently Dr. Fauci's not aware of it. Do I owe you a commercial or are we okay? Okay. I'll be right back. Love in. I want to discuss this more broadly. Because apparently around 30% of the people are, are, are saying that the coronavirus is their number one reason for voting. And the media and the Democrats are trying to wrap a pandemic around the president's throat, which is really so disgusting. But that's what they are. So one of the charts being used is a wrong chart. It's from Johns Hopkins that showed the U.S. in eighth place for the highest mortality rate in the world, as Daniel Horowitz writes in Conservative Review. Well, what is this chart? Why wouldn't you use the CDC Europe chart? That chart, the, uh, the one that I just mentioned that was used uh, by Fox, uh, is random, as Horowitz points out. It includes cherry-picked countries with only a few European nations. It also doesn't take into account the insane amount of testing we have done, which means we have discovered many more cases and have actually have a much lower case fatality rate, which is something we've talked about for months and months. Remember, they we need more testing. We need more testing. What changes the denominator? Well, now we have it. And, of course, you have slobs like this guy Hogan. From, we don't have enough. We don't have enough. He does nothing. He sits there, obviously chewing licorice all day long. Anyway. Now. This is dishonest beyond belief, says Horowitz. The White House was using a much more appropriate chart from One World in Data, which compared the U.S. to primarily other Western countries, which have much better data reporting. For instance, Russia is not included. So they include France, United Kingdom, Italy, Sweden, Germany, Japan. 
the mortality rate or the fatality rate, if you will, in the United States is much lower. And it's lower than France, the UK, Italy, Sweden, Germany, and Japan. The other list includes Guadeloupe, Ecuador, Bermuda. I mean, it's so ridiculous. And it is intended to make the president look worse. So I want to dig into this a little bit more, tell you what's actually going on. The science, you know, when we return. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. Anthony Fauci. Tony, as we like to call him here, the Fouch. By the way, the NFL players are objecting to playing without more rules, Mr. Producer, on the coronavirus. Anybody care? Raise your hand. I don't care. I don't care if they play or not. We'll do just fine. Judy Woodruff is on the PBS station, the government television station. Although all the news basically is government pro-government, not pro-Trump, pro-government. And uh, there's uh, Judy Woodruff, there's Fauci, PBS NewsHour Friday. Now, Fauci, as I say, is endlessly on TV and radio. I don't know how the guy keeps track of infectious diseases. Do you, Mr. Producer? Because he has an infectious disease. You know what it's called? Seeing himself on television. Let's take a listen to what the great scientist of our era, of any era, the greatest scientist ever. You can go all the way back. Well, there are different kinds of scientists. He has nothing. Isaac Newton had nothing on him, Mr. Producer. Then we go through the whole list, but no, we won't. Jonas Salk, no. No. It's the Fouch. Cut 10, go. As I understand it, there, there needs to be support. There needs to be funding for a number of these labs to open up. Uh, that hasn't happened yet. Um, what Do you know of a solution to get this ramped now up? Now, let's stop a second. They're talking about tests. And when you actually go to the CDC site and you look at the numbers, our testing is so massive right now. I'm not saying it's perfect. We had no testing in February. Thanks to Fauci, the CDC, Joe Biden, and the rest of them. None. He says he would have done this better, Biden. Well, he didn't. And so then you have issues like, okay, do we have enough labs to check it fast? And if we don't, so that's the system. The system is Trump had to build it from the bottom up. And Fauci acts like he wasn't there for 50 years and his current he's been in his current position for 37 years, Mr. Producer. Were you even born 37 years ago? Yes, he was. He's in diapers and all the rest, but we won't go there. 
Go ahead. We've got to make sure the dots are connected, Judy. Now, look, first of all, I want you to hear him talk because, remember, he's an infectious disease guy. He's not an expert on tests. He's not an expert on supplies. He's not an expert on management coordinate on anything else, just infectious disease. And he got it wrong. Hey, it, hey, it's like the flu. Don't worry so much out there. He did it on three different shows. Don't worry so much. We're okay. Don't worry. It's just like the flu. What about Matt? Don't wear the masks. No, it's like the flu. Don't wear the mask. Today, my God, it's the bubonic plague. Stay home. Wear masks. Wear everything. Go ahead. And with a great deal of generosity, gave billions of dollars to try and solve this problem. They gave something like $10 billion to the CDC to give to the states. Now, remember, he doesn't run the CDC. He doesn't run. He's just the infectious disease guy. Somebody else runs the CDC. So now he's talking about something out of his area because he knows everything. Go ahead. These kinds of implementing. We've got to make sure that it gets well spent and that it gets done in the right way. Now, what does that mean? I got to make sure it gets. Uh, so I can do this. I can be the infectious disease guy if, if, if I do what he does. We got to make sure it gets spent in the right way. It gets done right away. That it's done well and smoothly and efficiently and effectively and immediately. Go ahead. Again, we have a problem. We need to admit it and own it. But we've got to do the wait, 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 Who's that- not admitting it, for God's sakes? And what do you mean own it? The truth is the president, the bureaucracy, is doing everything humanly possible to deal with it. Now you got to admit it, then you got to own it. We got to make sure things are done right, they're done smoothly, they're done efficiently, and they're done effectively. This is a doctor, this is a, a scientist, an expert. Go ahead. Very clear that we need to do to turn this around. Remembering we can do it. So, so far, he has said absolutely nothing. Right, Mr. Reducer? Not a damn thing. Not nothing. He's the infection. And uh, we can do this. Let's just all stand united. Shoulder to shoulder, hip to hip. We can do this. I, I know we can. Just 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 do it. All of us together. Efficiently, effectively, immediately, and brilliantly. But it gets better. Go ahead. That when you do it properly, you bring down those cases. We've done it. We've done it in New York. New York got hit worse than any place in the world. And they did it correctly. What? Excuse you? What? Is this guy even paying attention to what the hell's going on? There have been many people who've responded to this, but one of the best has been Matt Margolis over at pajamamedia.com. The headline is, Now we have proof Dr. Fauci's full of crap and can't be trusted. said, I used to have faith in Dr. Fauci's judgment, but the faith has waned over the past few months. I've said this too. Now completely gone. How exactly does anyone look at what happened in New York and say that's a model example for fighting the coronavirus? Let's look at the evidence. Let's look at the evidence. There's science. Just the science. President Trump issued stay-at-home guidelines on March 16, 2020. But Cuomo didn't order a lockdown until March 22nd. 
six days after San Francisco shut down, three days after the state of California. California, which is nearly double the population of New York, hasn't been hit nearly as hard. As of Saturday evening, New York has had 411,000 cases, 32,000, over 32,000 deaths. California, however, has had 380,000 cases and 7,660 deaths. According to the Wall Street Journal investigation, quote, leaders in states like California and Ohio acted quickly to contain the spread while Governor Cuomo and Mayor de Blasio delayed taking measures to close the state and city even as the number of cases swelled, despite warnings from doctors, nurses, and school teachers. How's that, Dr. Fauci? We, we did it. We did it right in uh, New York. Guys, it, he's, he's becoming a quack. Cuomo was praised early on for his public rifts with President Trump. But when it came down to it, he was so grossly unaware of the situation in his own state that he requested thirty to 40,000 ventilators to help see them through the pandemic when they only needed about 6,000. It made for great drama when Cuomo accused Trump of not providing enough ventilators, declaring, uh, you, uh, hey, hey, uh, over there, you picked the 26,000 people who are going to die. But eventually he admitted that New York had more than enough ventilators and ended up giving extra ventilators to other states that needed them. Cuomo was so completely unaware of the hospital needs in his state that when the naval hospital ship USNS Comfort came to provide relief for New York City, it floated in the harbor for three weeks almost completely empty before he eventually realized it wasn't needed. Cuomo's estimates of New York's need for hospital beds were completely wrong. But Fauci thinks New York did think correctly. Were they wearing masks or not? On March 25, New York State ordered nursing homes, and we know this firsthand, to accept patients regardless of their coronavirus status, a deadly mistake. Even then, it was known that the elderly were more vulnerable to the virus. So having patients who tested positive for the coronavirus in nursing homes allowed the virus to spread, rapidly killing thousands. Turns out over 6,000 in nursing homes. Cuomo nevertheless defended his policy, insisting that nursing homes didn't have a right to object. Quote, "Uh, that's the rule around it. That's the regulation. And they had to comply with that. Soon after Cuomo's mandate was announced, a National Association of Nursing Home Doctors protested the policy. Again, we were on the spot, saying it posed a clear and present danger to all the residents of nursing homes. A patient advocacy group called the Committee to Reduce Infection Deaths also urged Cuomo to change the policy. But he wouldn't, and he didn't. He repeatedly defended the policy, as did Howard Zucker, another mother Zucker, New York State's health commissioner. And as the death toll rose, Cuomo quietly changed the policy so the nursing home patients who died in a hospital were not counted as nursing home deaths. With this, Chris Wallace? Possibly to cover up the devastating impact of his policy. It wasn't until May 11 that Cuomo finally rescinded the order. But the damage had been done. Nursing home patients represent a mere 0.46%, less than 1% of the United States population, but account for at least 43% of all coronavirus deaths. Because Cuomo did it, Murphy did it, the jerk in Massachusetts did it, Connecticut did it, the jerk in California, all down the list. We've touched on all this, all of it. 
But let's continue. Because obviously Matt, and I know this from the past, listens to the program. He's a good man. New York subway system has continued to operate during the pandemic, but nightly closures and disinfecting cleaning weren't implemented until May 6th. May 6th. Nearly two months after the World Health Organization declared the coronavirus a global pandemic. Before that, they were only disinfected every 72 hours. While there's been some debate about whether the virus can survive on surfaces and for how long, New York allowed its subway to facilitate the transmission of the coronavirus for months. Virtually unimpeded. But Fauci thinks New York did things correctly. Last month, the Wall Street Journal spoke with nearly 90 frontline doctors, nurses, healthcare workers, hospital administrators, and government officials and reviewed emails, legal documents, memos to analyze what went wrong in New York and identified seven missteps. Improper patient transfers, insufficient isolation protocols, inadequate staff planning, mixed messages between state government, city government, and hospital officials, over-reliance on government sources for key equipment, procurement planning gaps, and incomplete staff protection policies. How's that, Tony? May I call you Tony? I think I will. Dr. Fauci. And Matt says here, Matt Margolis, as far as I'm concerned, Dr. Fauci has lost all his credibility. Newark is one of the coronavirus hotspots of the world because they failed to flatten the curve. New York, even more specifically, downstate, had the worst response to the coronavirus in America. Other states may be experiencing increases in cases now, but these states succeeded in flattening the curve, while New York didn't. Cuomo and de Blasio failed their constituents. And I believe Fauci is failing us because there's no way anyone can say... New York did anything right. By the way, did I tell you I love Hillary Clinton? She's the best. Did you know that? Guys like love letters and emails. Do you see that, Mr. Producer? That's Fauci. But don't disrespect the man. Don't question him. The media will attack you. He's their man. He's the Fauci. And, of course, others have said, which is not noted here, including experts from Stanford and so forth and from Yale, among others, that the Fauci plan, they didn't personalize it, but they, it was the Fauci plan of shutting everything down would result in a second wave. And maybe I'll revisit that this week, but it would result in a second wave, and that is exactly what's happened. And then you have the Democrats and the teachers union who don't want to send the kids to school. They hope all of this together will take out Trump. All of this together. They hope the pandemic, the resulting economic collapse, uh, the race riots in the Democrat cities. Of course, they're responsible for a lot of this, but they're hoping that you'll say, you know, what? I'm sick of all this. I want change. Let me vote for a guy that's been in Washington 50 years. That's going to bring real change. Let me vote for him. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Mr. Producer, when somebody says that they agree that money from the police should be moved to other things, isn't that kind of like the definition of defund? Isn't that the definition? May I ask a question? We have Chuck Todd here on Meet the Press. 
on the Sunday show. We have here, uh, let's see, we have other press types. I'm looking here. Um, I think the, the, the media are just truly stupid. I don't know how else to explain this. I don't know how else to explain this. Now, some of them are downright evil. We know that. Like D. Lemon, the Deister. Like Fredo Cuomo. Downright evil. And there are others. Al Sharpton's calling the president today a bigot. That SOB anti-Semite is in no position to call anybody anything. Jackass. That's right, you jerk. Chuck Todd. The U.S. stands uniquely helpless among industrialized countries in the COVID fight. Complete idiot. An idiot. Did I say idiot? I meant idiot. And then you have the New York Times headline. And by the way, Matt Drudge was all excited about this. They put it on their site and very excited about the Washington Post. I mean, even before the the front pages came out, he was tipped off on what the subjects were going to be. New York Times, as Trump ignores virus crisis, Republicans start to break ranks. Is Trump ignoring the virus, ladies and gentlemen? Does he seem like he's ignoring the virus, ladies and gentlemen? The notoriously evil New York slimes is now the go-to source for the Drudge Report. I never thought I'd see this. I never thought I'd see uh, what's happening to our country. I never thought I'd see uh, Drudge turn into David Brock, but it's happened. Oh, they're doing a movie now. Did you see that, Mr. Producer? The Drudge, the Drudge movie. Oh, yeah. Guy's been running around talking to everybody, apparently. Uh, they're going to do a whole movie. I'm sure that'll be a big hit. President Trump continues to press for a quick return to life as usual, but Republicans who fear rampaging disease and angry voters are increasingly going their own way. And what is their own way? Now, I want to tell you folks something. Now we have Oxford, Oxford that has some initial very positive results from a vaccine they're working on. This is the second or third one. There is going to be a vaccine for this virus. It probably won't occur in time for the general election. Vaccines take years to get right. Years. And look at this. Months. Months. And if they have one by the end of the year, which is what they think they'll have. They'll have one invented. They'll have one that's going through all the tests that take years and years. If they have them by the end of the year, that means in less than 12 months. Supersonic speed. We will have had a vaccine. And if President Trump's not reelected, guess who's going to benefit from that? Joe Biden and the Democrats. See, we did it. We did it in two or three months. We know what we're doing. President is moving heaven and earth to try and wrestle this damn thing to the ground. And what are the Democrats doing? Not a damn thing. The Mark Levin Show, where the Reagan Coalition meets every day. Call now. 877-381-3811. Kanye West, you can't get elected if you're not on a ballot, fella. That's called basic stuff. As we mentioned a month ago, but how boring is that? Craig Shirley is an old buddy of mine. There's no better expert on Ronald Reagan than Craig Shirley. And you might say, okay, great. What does that have to do with anything? Craig Shirley, how are you, my friend? Mark, how are you? Good to be with you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to talk to you 
about uh, 1980, yes. the summer leading into the fall of 1980, the campaign between Reagan and Carter. Just briefly walk us through that and how, you know, people were concerned Reagan was behind and he couldn't catch up and so forth. Anyway, you tell the story. Sure. Um, you know, Reagan had a bumpy road to the nomination uh, for for several years. He was considered the front runner by some after after challenging Gerald Ford in '76 and narrowly winning, uh, narrowly losing in Kansas City. Uh, but he was a very, very marginal front runner, which is why he invited such a big field to challenge him. Everybody from Ambassador George Bush to former Governor John Connolly to Senator Bob Dole, Senator Howard Baker, Congressman Phil Crane, and uh, uh, Senator Lowell Weicker and others. And Reagan uh, had to really fight tooth and nail to get the nomination. You know, the, the process is so compressed now. Uh, then the Iowa caucuses were five weeks before the New Hampshire primary. And Reagan didn't even get the nomination until June 6th when uh, the California uh, primary put him over the top for a first ballot nomination in uh, Detroit that year. And all, the, and all that summer, I mean, he had some high points and he had some low points. His high point was was the uh, convention speech, which really stitched together the Republican Party, and it was a magnificent uh, tribute to uh, the future-oriented conservatism and the rights and dignity and privacy of the individual. And it's, it's one of Reagan's finest speeches. Um, but he was still behind. You know, Carter was the incumbent. Carter did not have a good economy going for him, but he had the hostage crisis, which he was working to a fairly well. Uh, I mean, Carter, let's, let's face it, was an abysmal president. Uh, he had the hostage crisis, he had high inflation, he had high interest rates, he had Soviet advances in Afghanistan and Cuba and Angola and Southeast Asia, uh, uh, Nicaragua, El Salvador, uh, and, and in every regard, is a, by 1980, America was losing at home and losing on the world stage, and, uh, and uh, the Soviets were winning. And this set the stage for somebody to challenge Carter, but the question was whether or not Ronald Reagan was the candidate whether or not he was up to the task. So by the by the by the by the Labor Day of 1980, uh, the Yankovich, Harris, and Teeter uh, had conducted 17 major national polls, and Carter was ahead in five of this, 12 of them, and Reagan was only ahead in five. And those five were just uh, polls with teeny leads that he, were after he got his uh, convention bounce in uh, in July of 1980 in Detroit. So it was really touch and go. And as a matter of fact, the week before the election in October of 1981, one week before the Washington Post produced a fraudulent poll, which predicted that Carter would win a uh, safe victory. Uh, most of us at the time laughed it off and knew that the, it was just the Post uh, producing fake news and, uh, and was trying to manipulate the outcome of the election, or at least manipulate the psychology of, uh, of both campaigns. But it was really touch and go until the end. And when Reagan really sealed it, Mark, and you remember, I remember, is the, the debate one week before the election with Jimmy Carter, where uh, Carter's campaign had, had foolishly allowed his expectations to get out of control while they're trashing Reagan's debating skills. And Reagan, as we both know and listeners know, was a superb, superb debater. You know, he, he, he lost one debate to Walter Mondale. He won every other debate he ever was in uh, with with. George Bush at Nashua and then debate with Bobby Kennedy in 1967 on ABC News. Um, and he was absolutely the master at, uh, at, at not only substance, but also the, the, the quick quip and the turnaround and the, uh, and the, and the, you know, the re- rebuttal and things like that. 
And, of course, he, he nails it uh, in his summation when he asked the American people, are you better off than you were four years ago? And that was it, bingo. Uh, the election then became obvious to everybody who was paying attention uh, that in the last week, uh, Reagan was going to not only close the gap, which he did, but race ahead of Carter and defeat him in a landslide, which he did. Now, the press hated Reagan, too. They you were know, always talking about I, how, how he, the nuclear weapons and on and on and on, correct? The, the New York Times, uh, you know, editorialized against uh, uh, Reagan constantly. The Washington Post attacked him. You know, I did, I did a little study of my, my, uh, my some years ago, Mark, is that in the eight years of the Reagan presidency, every time there was a conflict between Ronald Reagan and the Soviet Union or the Kremlin or Gorbachev or Brezhnev, and the Washington Post editorialized about it, not once did the Washington Post ever editorialize in support of Ronald Reagan. Never. Mm-hmm. And uh, But the media today against Trump is nothing like we've ever seen, is it? Oh, this is far worse. I mean, as bad as it was, and I remember gnashing my teeth, and, and you know, mm-hmm. and you, you were too. You know, during the 1980 campaign, oh, yeah. over the unfair coverage and and the and the prevarications and canards and uh, misrepresentations and things like that. But this is this is actually far far worse. I mean, they deliberately they 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 blatantly lie. I, I see lies. I mean, just canards, lies all the time in the national media, and they report it as a fact, and with no conscience whatsoever, with no guilt whatsoever, with no remorse whatsoever. I've never seen a more out-of-control national media, as I, as I see today. They've really taken a far leap now, haven't they? I yeah, mean, they uh, every, everybody knows what they are, and they don't care. They, they don't care. In fact, they, in fact, they, they rather celebrate it. I was uh, talking to a friend of mine the other day about a certain publishing house in, uh, in New York City that was published some really harsh, uh, bad books about Ronald Reagan, and, and they, they, were, they were badly sourced that contained you know, lies and misrepresentation and half-truths. And I said, doesn't this House have any self-respect? Don't they do any fact-checking? He says, you don't understand. The House wants to produce books that attack Ronald Reagan, that lie about Ronald Reagan, that tell uh, tall tales about Ronald Reagan. So uh, the publishing industry also is in on the, the giant, you know... Uh, uh, look, look at the, Craig Shirley, look at the three in a row against Trump. Three in a row. They're going to have one, two against him and one against his wife soon. Yeah. Three in a row, same publishing house. Yes, same publishing house, yes, right. But that is what you expect now uh, from, from all the... It's another institution that the left has taken over. They have followed uh, Alinsky's book uh, to, a, to, a, to the letter, which is why it explains what two institutions, what are the few institutions left in America that the left does not control or destroy, which is, this is right out of the playbook of the... Radio. In front. Radio, small business, and religion. Mm-hmm. And what is Gavin Newsom going after in California? Religion. He's going after. He can't even sing in church. Are you kidding me? Which mm-hmm. is a violation of the First Amendment. You know, not only freedom of speech, but freedom of religion. All right. Let me ask you this, just because we're tight here. Let me ask you this. I see the Fox News poll has Trump now eight points behind, and I'm thinking to myself, pandemic, yeah, <laughs> economic depression, race sure. riots, and he's still within eight points. He can win this thing. Absolutely. Is that eight points is nothing in a presidential campaign. And in the 1980 campaign, there were polls in the early spring of 1980 that had Jimmy Carter 30 points ahead of Ronald Reagan. Eight points in this day and age is nothing. And besides, is that these things are, uh, are measured on many levels. You know, we both, you know, we're, you know, 
long in the tooth now. You're trying to say we've been around a while, aren't you? Yeah, we've been around a while, you know, going back to 76 and 80. But um, is that uh, is that these things can turn around in a, in a blink. And, and by the way, is, is that Ronald Reagan's old campaign manager, John Sears, used to say, politics is motion, which is absolutely true. Trump is in motion. He's saying things and he's doing things. Biden is in his basement, not saying anything or doing anything. He's stagnant. He's stalemate. They, his campaign, and they're still tilting to the left, is that they're running in a, in a primary campaign instead of in a general election campaign. That, and also I think, too, is, is that this was a factor, I think, that emerged in the 1980 campaign, which is that people got smart about the left and about liberal you know, intelligentsia and about uh, pollsters, and I think that people lied to um, They didn't want to be thought to be politically incorrect or, or tacky or not uh, not avant-garde or, or trendy or whatever. So they lied about their support for Ronald Reagan. And I think that a significant portion of, of American people are just, they just don't want to, they just don't want to deal with it. So they lie to pollsters about uh, their support for, for Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. But we have to act like we're way behind, regardless of what the polls show, correct? Uh, sure, absolutely. You know, you run the best campaign when, you, when you're behind. But mm-hmm. eight points is perfect because because it is you're not running twenty points behind you're only eight points behind and so that means it's achievable a victory is achievable. Let me slip in another question here, John Kasich. This is an odd guy, John I, Kasich. I'll I'll tell you quickly a quick short story. I believe it was Sean Hannity's fiftieth birthday, and a bunch of us were invited, and there was Kasich was there, and with a friend of mine who's a talk show host, Bill Cunningham from Cincinnati. Sure, great guy, and. Uh, all of a sudden, I hear yelling in the back of the room. Kasich is screaming at Bill Cunningham for something Bill Cunningham had said on the radio. And Kasich was drunk. <laughs> no, it's true. And I wasn't the only one that saw it. I mean, obviously, Cunningham did. Right, 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 right. Now, he, it, it turns out that, the, according to reports here, he's not only going to vote for Biden, he's going to speak at the DNC convention. Number one, what convention? And number two, who gives a damn, really? Nobody. Nobody really mm-hmm. gives a damn. I mean, Kasich had his day in the sun. And, you know, back in the old days, he was a good, reliable... Uh, conservative. You know, conservative. He was a good, you know, uh, you know, uh, balanced budget, uh, good, reliable, you know, 90% ACU or back in the uh, mm-hmm. uh, early 80s when he was first elected to Congress. Uh, I went out there in 82 and helped his campaign for a, mm-hmm. for a short time when I was working for the Republican National Committee. But like too many people, the, the pressures of political correctness and being thought to be sophisticated and avant-garde and trendy, he's been seduced by that, too. And so he'll get, he'll get you know, praised on, on, on Chuck Todd for, for being bipartisan and going and speaking to the Democratic Convention. But they'll, they'll discard him, too, and then he'll be a man without a country. That's what happens to political traitors. They become men without a country. It's a good way to put it, like John Bolton. That's about what he's become. John Bolton, you know, I mean, before he lost his mind, uh, but he's now become a man without a country. And clearly Mitt Romney's on a suicide mission because he's not going to get reelected in Utah. Yes. Well, uh, Mitt Romney was always, I mean, uh, he was always suspect, let's face it. You know, when he's going back to 82 and he's running for the Senate against Ted Kennedy and he viciously attacked Ronald Reagan in a debate, I just knew that this was a pure opportunist who stood for nothing except for political gain. Let's, for, let's not forget he attacked Fred Thompson, too, That's years right. ago yeah. when he was running. And then Thompson was one of my close friends, as a matter of right. fact. And, and, a, and a great man. Solid. Yeah. yeah. All right, brother. You've helped us a lot, Craig Shirley. Oh, God bless pleasure, you, my Mark. friend. Thank you so much. You take care of yourself. We're old Reaganites. 
just the way we are. So we know. We know how to fight. We know what we've seen, and we know what we need to do, at least in my view. You got to be steady. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Jim just hung up? Well, then, I was going to talk to Ed, who'd been at the riots, right? At the, uh, at the university. Well, we can't go to him now. But we will go to Francis Collins, the NIH director, who, unlike Fauci, is actually somewhat in charge of this effort on the side of the federal government towards a vaccine. Trump's not doing anything. Trump's too slow. And you're getting this from a woman who called American federal law enforcement officials stormtroopers. Francis Collins, NIH director, cut 13, go. I think, again, cautious optimism. We will have a vaccine, I believe, at least one, maybe more than one, that looks like it's working by the end of this calendar year. Uh, We will then have some doses to give to the highest risk people. But for everybody to have access to the vaccine, it'll be the spring. So that is so fast. You have to have a president who's a motivator. A man who, in this case, is from the private sector. He knows how to manage people. For all the efforts to destroy him and his character and rip him down and the endless Marxist propaganda from the Democrat Party, and you can't trust them, folks, from Russia collusion to the riots in the streets. And by them, I mean the media, too. You have a president of the United States who's actually getting things done. They're getting, he's getting things done. I know there's a pandemic. I know it's terrible. He knows it's terrible. We all know it's terrible. But you can't just flip a switch and end it. It's a grueling battle with a horrible illness but he's been a hell of a general and you'll be mocked by the left and mocked by the media for saying these things but it's true we know what Obama and Biden did with the swine flu they didn't do anything they didn't prepare this country for the next pandemic neither did Dr. Fauci quite frankly these governors weren't prepared this clown Hogan in Maryland's not been prepared for anything like the clown in New York Cuomo they're all the same breed They're flashy. They work the press. You know, they play the the emotions. But they're incompetence. Plural. Incompetence. President of the United States, it's all hanging out, doing everything he can. Now, we have more ventilators than we can possibly use. We have more respirators than we can possibly use. We've got lots of PPE. We're trying to get these medicines to the American people as quickly as we can. Uh, Remedier, I believe one of them is. And it's a matter of getting it to the right location and so forth, which they're doing. But nobody even heard of that drug before. We also have a doctor who's a brilliant doctor and a lawyer, and I may bring her on the program, who's talking about how the government is preventing us from using another drug. In any event... We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel, and you, the American people. And tonight, police officers, I'd say be safe, but what I would rather say is, if you're hit, 
hit back twice as hard. Just Mark's opinion. I'll see you all tomorrow. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.